Behind the Bite podcast is part of a network of podcasts that are good for the world. Check out podcasts like the Full of Shift podcast, After the First Marriage podcast, and Eating Recovery Academy over at practiceofthepractice.com backslash network. Welcome to Behind the Bite podcast. This podcast is about the real life struggles women face with food, body image, and weight. We're here to help heal, inspire, and create better, healthier lives. Welcome. Well, hello, everyone. I think it's quite unfortunate that so many people spend so much time in their lives hating or feeling self conscious about their bodies. There's so many hours that they spend wishing it looked different, hiding it, trying to do things to change it, all in the hopes that maybe by doing so, they'll feel better about themselves, maybe be more attractive, happier, acceptable, valuable. And I'm sure that many, if not all of you listening to this can relate exactly to what I'm saying, that you too have, or maybe still are living your daily life consumed with thoughts about your body, that you're sitting here really right now listening and struggling with your body image and can't even imagine living a life where that's not the case, but yet so desperately want to. And like I said before, I think this is so unfortunate because our bodies are just quite simply amazing. They really are. But we we lose sight of that. And I just sit here wondering, why don't we realize all of the great, wonderful things that our bodies allow us to do and experience in this lifetime? I really want to know, why aren't we spending more time discussing all of the miraculous things about our bodies? Things like our five senses. Okay, there may be some things that we don't ever want to be able to smell, but the fact that we can actually smell is quite remarkable. We take for granted sometimes that we can smell perfume or fresh cut grass or cookies baking in the oven. And we have the ability to learn and acquire skills. I'll generalize here, of course, to people who are all able-bodied, but there are known average ages when we learn how to sit up, walk, and talk. We can do things like learn how to read or play a sport. And just as I'm talking right now, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many things I could say, but just think about how amazing is it that somehow we develop and grow over time. And okay, I don't know about you, but I know I had nothing to do with going from having the body of an infant to that of a child and then to an adult. It was all done by the inner workings of my body all on its own. So, and even our hormones, right? They get triggered and released at certain developmental times, like at puberty. And it shifts our bodies, you know, going from, like I said, child bodies into that of an adult. And again, the body does this again on its own at its own time, you know, just like it does at puberty much later in life at a time called perimenopause for women. Um, And both of these times in our human development occur whether we like it or not. And instead of us just normalizing and accepting that these developmental milestones will occur, you know, rather than simply embracing these times, I find it's quite unfortunate that we do quite the opposite. Yes, these hormonal changes cause changes and shifts in our bodies, and it is these changes that we as a society have become anxious about. I, I see it online. I see it in social media. There's there's this fear that people have about these changes, and there's so many messages out there about how we need to try and be prepared for these times and try our best to, quote-unquote, make it through and, quote-unquote, control what happens to our bodies, as if being able to do that is even possible. 
And somehow, if you're able to do that, then you're praised, you're virtuous, you're admired. And okay, I can go on and on, but (laughs) I'm not because I'm going to bring on our guest for today and let her help cut through all the noise that's out there about this time in someone's life and help make some sense out of all of it for you. Um, especially for anyone who who is approaching the age at which perimenopause is on the horizon, or maybe you're listening to this and you're experiencing it now, this is the show you do not want to miss. Uh, Kate Williamstone is a non-diet health coach and a life coach who helps women in perimenopause build confidence around food and feel good in their bodies so that they can feel amazing without the diet culture BS. She uses the principles of intuitive eating coupled with hormone-honoring health habits as a powerful way to help support women through the challenges of perimenopause. She has a signature framework, which includes mindful eating, cyclical living, normalizing body changes with feminist non-diet mindset coaching. She is a certified health and life coach with additional intuitive eating training with Stephanie Dodier of Going Beyond the Food Method and Evelyn Tribolet who is one of the co-creators of Intuitive Eating. She's also a graduate of Carnegie Mellon University from the prestigious drama program. All right. Well, Kate, welcome to the show. Um, really excited to have you here. And, you know, if people don't know who you are, I'm sure they would love to hear more about like you and how you got to this place in your career. So if you're okay with that, would you mind sharing? Oh, I would love to share. Hi, everyone. Um, My name is Kate Williams Stone. I am a certified health and life coach that focuses in intuitive eating and perimenopause and how I got here. So I have a eating disorder history personally. I got into recovery in my 20s, which I think is really common for people when I was in college. Um, And I would name that as like a orthorexia, anorexia, exercise bulimia. And so that started my personal journey with healing my relationship with food and my body image. And then when I got to my 40s, I started experiencing a lot of perimenopause symptoms, but I didn't know it at the time. And my symptoms were, I would say, really dramatic because I also had three uterine fibroids. And this all happened while we were in COVID lockdown. Oh, wow. So (laughs) really stressful. But I went to my primary care doctor at age 43, complaining of really heavy cycles, extreme fatigue, dry, itchy skin, hair loss. And I'm like, do you think that this is perimenopause? And she's like, no, you're too young. She's like, but do you know? that you gained 10 pounds during COVID lockdown. And I'm like, I actually do. Thanks for letting me know. But talk about like weight stigma. And I was like, but what about these symptoms? Like, I feel awful. I don't feel like myself. She did refer me to a gynecologist. Mm -hmm. And in her notes after our appointment, she said, you know, maybe you should get your iron levels checked. Maybe that's the cause of the fatigue. Well, what happened next is that I ended up canceling three appointments with my gynecologist because my periods were so heavy that I could not leave the house. Oh, wow. I kept canceling, rescheduling, canceling, rescheduling. Finally got to the gynecologist who took my blood and my ferritin, which is your iron storage, was a three. 
Normal ferritin is like 30 and above. Optimal would be like 100. Mine was three. Oh my gosh. And so I'm like, oh, this is why I feel so awful. And, um, you know, there was also a rude bedside manner from the gynecologist quickly suggesting a hysterectomy. And I'm like, there's got to be something else. Like, there's got to be more resources. The end of the story is I ended up having a uterine fibroid embolization. I had an iron infusion, but I really had to navigate and advocate for myself in our broken medical system to get this care. Mm -hmm. When I talked to my hematologist, she said, you know, 80% of my practice is women in perimenopause, just like you, with really heavy periods, frequent bleeding, and they're really low iron and feeling awful. And I'm like, why is no one talking about this? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why aren't they? Did you find out? <laughs> you know, I think we're we're coming out of a stigma around this conversation, right? Just like when we were teenagers and we got the talk about our changing bodies and the boys were in one room and the girls were in the other. Like the normalization of changing bodies, periods menstruation, like all of this, I think we're just starting the conversation. And I think my generation of 40 year old women is that we are changing the conversation, but it's, mm-hmm. it's just starting now. So I also realize there's so much targeted marketing against women in their forties and yes. busting the muffin top and banishing the meno belly and just demonizing the body changes Mm-hmm. And coming from an eating disorder past and being an intuitive eating coach, I'm like, oh, no, we do not need more shame around our bodies. No. And that's really why, as you know, we were talking before, you know, we hit record. I'm so excited to have you on because I, too, you know, even though I have all the filters on to not get ads on social media for diets and things like I keep getting them bombarded with them somehow. Um, I see them so often to your point, you know, like blast the, you know, menopause belly or like eat for your hormone levels or just anything that's insinuating to women that like, if you gain weight in perimenopause or menopause, like there's a solution, there's this magic way to eat, there's something you can do. And if you don't, you're doing something wrong and shaming women. And like, there's all this pressure, like to, you know, shift your body and like that is some abnormal thing to actually, you know, be a woman. And um, I don't think we talk about it enough that like, there are these natural changes that happen at a certain age, and we're not embracing them and praising ourselves for being women and like, feeling good about it. It's like, this is a bad thing. And I'm out of control. And I need to take charge of it. And, you know, find one of these solutions like that, you know, the toxic diet culture is like alive and well in all age groups, but you know, starting in the forties, right. It just is like hitting hard. And I want to talk to the listeners and going like, okay, how do we help people not only a become aware of this and what's happening and what is so wrong with these messages, but how do they deal with it and understand this is toxic diet culture, like just that they're being bombarded with. Yeah, I mean, I think to acknowledge, like, it's a really tender, vulnerable time mm-hmm. when your body's changing, right? And it's very normal to feel out of control in your body because 
when your hormonal cycle changes, it's like your foundation has been uprooted. So your body has been operating on this 28-day hormonal cycle for your reproductive years. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's changing. It's this whole hormonal roller coaster. And you don't know, like, is this cycle going to be 17 days long or 45 days long? Or is it going to be heavy or is it going to be light? And am I going to bleed for three days or is it going to be seven days? Right. So it's really unnerving mm-hmm. and it can feel like the bottoms dropped out from under you. It can feel like you're out of control in your body. I hear that a lot from women. And so it makes perfect sense when you've been raised on diet culture, right? Like 90s, low fat, high cardio, Kate Moss body mm-hmm. to then think like, oh my God, my body's out of control right now. I got to rein it in. I got to control these things. And it's, you know, we were sharing that research has shown recently that the times that women are most susceptible to eating disorders are in their teens, which I don't think would surprise anybody, but also in their 40s. There's an uptick in eating disorders in women in their 40s. And when I see that research, I'm like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it makes total, total sense because you just think like, oh, that's going to fix me. Um, you know, that's going to make me feel in control or feel strong. Mm-hmm. Um But in fact, what it can do is disrupt your hormones even more, ironically. Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about that. Like people going, what do you mean? How can it disrupt the hormones more? What do you mean? Yeah. So we know a lot of things impact our hormones, right? And I think of like the hormones all interacting like in one big soup together, right? We tend to think of like our body being segmented, but the truth is it's all interconnected. And so when you Mm -hmm. think about, hunger hormones and not honoring your hunger hormones, right? Like think about being hangry mm-hmm. and totally out of control, right? But then also have like your sex hormones like on this roller coaster at the same time, right? Those hormones interact with each other. And so when I see women like skipping meals or under eating, I'm like that's a setup for even more stress in your life. And instead of talking about like hormone balancing, which is a big buzzword in the wellness community right now, Mm -hmm. I like to talk about hormone supporting habits. Like how can you build a really strong foundation for yourself Mm -hmm. that feels grounded, that feels level Mm -hmm. while you're going through this hormonal transition of perimenopause? So is that, I mean, is that primarily the clientele you work with? Is women in perimenopause? Yeah. yeah. And okay. and people usually have a history of chronic dieting or mm. disordered eating. Um, but honestly, I think if you were socialized as a woman and you're over 40, like you have what I like to call diet brain thinking, mm. even if you're not actively dieting right now, maybe mm. that was something you did in the past. Um, but you still have that thinking that, um, you know, some of the characteristics like people pleasing, black and white, all or nothing thinking, um, body blaming, thinking that all your problems are because of the size or the look of your body and really internalizing it into your body. Uh, those can be some of the 
those are some of the themes I see coming up in women mm-hmm. and the like hyper responsibility for other people's emotions, right? That can come up as mm-hmm. people pleasing, but like women are the center of their families. Mm-hmm. And so they're like the emotional center, but they're also like trying to like keep everybody's emotions like together, right? Whether it's like a teenage son, like my case, or a husband who's having a hard time at work, like somehow women think they're the ones who are responsible for managing all of that emotional life of the family. And I think perimenopause can be a time where we find a new identity, we find a new behavior. And sometimes it has to come into this like perfect storm or this fire and feel really messy as we hit a bottom and then step into this new identity, which, you know, all of the negative press about perimenopause and it's a curse and it's awful and all this, like you're going through a normal hormonal transition and stepping into a next chapter of being like a wise woman. You know, I love That's that you said on that. the other yeah. side. Yeah, because there is, there's so much negative press about it. Like, oh, you're crazy or you're, you know, out of control or, you know, they, they really make it out like women are just in this bad state and they don't make it look pretty. And it's like hot flashes and this and that. And I mean, have you seen anything that makes it look like a positive experience or that women going through this or like, you know, to be like cherished and embraced and like, I don't know anything. I'm trying to start that reframe. I do, you know, the only places I see positive reframes on it are actually outside of the United States. I think in the United States, we are hyper-focused on making this very negative. Mm -hmm. And also even the perimenopause resources are all very medical, very just dealing with the physical body. Mm -hmm. And I think health is more than physical. Health is also mental, emotional, and spiritual along Mm -hmm. with physical And if you're open to it, I think it can be a moment of reckoning in perimenopause where you're like, how am I going to take care of my total health? Mm -hmm. Not just my physical. You're talking to a psychologist, right? (laughs) Yes, of course, right? Um, But I think these words that are put out there, right? They're very derogatory. They're very like anti-positive mental health messages. I mean, they drive me crazy. I mean, to the point where I think they're just these these words are are very damaging to women. Um, and so, the, you know, I'm always a proponent of like, you know, breaking mental health stigma. And so, these words that are out there, they I I get very angry when I see them. Right? Um, women aren't quote unquote crazy. They aren't, you know, whatever is out there. Um, they're very triggering. And so, you, to your point, like they are attacking not only the physical body, but they're attacking women's mental health and stability. And, you know, so not only are you out of control with your body and its shape and, you know, your weight and everything else, but you're also out of control with your emotions and your ability to be rational. And I just think on all levels, women are getting attacked. Like this is a time where, you know, it's super hard. And, um, you know, so you deal more with like the intuitive eating and this and that, but I'm also just like very concerned for how women are feeling at this time, you know, because also I work with women who this could be a time of like extreme sadness of realizing that they're losing their fertility and their ability to, you know, procreate, especially if they've never had children, this can be a really hard time. So 
there's a lot going on for women at this time. And that's not just, you know, what society is kind of putting on them in terms of like, get rid of your, you know, belly that's happening here. It's, it's just a lot. There's a lot of layers to this. Yeah, there's a lot of layers. And when you bring up that shame and guilt around the language around women at this time, I think like, well, what does that narrative do? It keeps women silent Mm -hmm. and secret and like not talking about this, which only exacerbates the problem because, and I find that women are very like disconnected and lonely too during Mm -hmm. this time. And so by normalizing the conversation, we bring it out into the light and we're not alone with it. And we also, that's how we stop this narrative of like, you're crazy, you're out of control, you know, your Mm -hmm. body's out of control, all that. We have to like normalize it as this second puberty, this normal hormonal transition. Mm -hmm. Here's what to expect. Here's the information. I mean, we're it's acknowledged that perimenopause in the medical community, they don't have training. They don't have education resources, right? So we're bringing up a topic that doesn't have a lot of time, attention, and money behind it. It's just starting now. Mm -hmm. Well, and then combine that with medical (laughs) schools don't have any training in eating disorders or nutrition to boot, right? So like, this is a perfect storm of like, Uh, you know this this is not good right yeah yeah I hadn't even put it together with the eating disorder lack of training too absolutely Mm -hmm. so yeah what do we do about this Kate (laughs) I think talking about it with your friends educating yourself like knowing what to expect Mm -hmm. is really really helpful and um if you're not, what I always tell women, if you're not already start tracking your cycle now, Mm. whether it's on paper or in an app, start tracking your cycle so that you know what your normal cycle is and you have that information. So then when it changes, you also have that information because you start to learn more about your body and also your hormones by understanding your cycle. So part of what I work with clients on is cyclical living and understanding the four phases of the menstrual cycle and how your body changes through that cycle every 28 days or however often you're getting it. And you start to understand that your body performs differently. You have different cognitive function. Your emotions might change. Um, You know, we know during the luteal phase, which is like the PMS phase, people are more like body aware, right? That's when like the body dysmorphic thoughts can come up and like the bad body image days. Well, that's based in hormones, right? Like how many times have I had a horrible body image day and then three days later I get my period? And I'm like, oh, that's what that was about. I'm not going crazy. My body isn't awful. It was just my hormones talking. This happens every month. You would think I would know by now to expect it but it feels very real in Mm -hmm. the moment. So starting to track your cycle, understanding your body and your mind during your cycle, and then understanding that that foundation is going to be changing during perimenopause. It's going to be a bit of a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. That's normal. 
but we can start normalizing some of these symptoms and also just even realizing like, oh, okay, I'm having a hot flash right now. That's because this is happening in my body. Like there's nothing wrong with my body having a hot flash. Mm -hmm. I can be with this feeling, even if it's uncomfortable and it will pass. So you have these titles, you have, you know, coach and intuitive eating and all of this. And so it can be very confusing. People ask me all the time, like, how do I know that somebody out there who's claiming that they can help me through this time is actually somebody that's helpful and not somebody who's going to just give me a diet because they're making big claims like, oh, I, you know, I can, you know, give you something that will help you get through this with like, you know, less hot flashes and you don't have to gain weight during menopause and this and that. Like, what do you say to somebody listening is going like, well, wait, I'm hearing that I don't have to have all these negative symptoms. I don't have to, you know, have the emotional roller coaster. I can bypass all the symptoms that women complain about during this time. Like, what do you think about people who are quote unquote, professionals out there, wellness coaches, what have you, who are claiming they can actually help women like get through this without all of that? Mm, Such a great question. I mean, I think you have to look at like who is selling snake oil, right? And what's realistic. Mm -hmm. So it is a normal hormonal transition. So if you think back to being 12 years old, your body changed. There was no way you could stop that by taking a supplement or a magic pill or a certain workout routine, Mm. right? It was going to change. That's like biologically what was going to happen. So it's a similar thing going on in perimenopause where like this change is going to happen. Every body is different. Some women don't experience a lot of symptoms. Like some women realize that their cycle is gone and it's been a year and they're fully postmenopausal and they didn't experience a lot of symptoms, right? So it's not like this evil curse that you have to experience these symptoms. There's just a range of symptoms. And I want to normalize the conversation around the symptoms. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with you if you're experiencing symptoms. This isn't a disease. It's not a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. It's a normal hormonal transition. And when we can normalize some of those symptoms, they actually sometimes alleviate some of the symptoms because you're like, oh, I'm not sick and dying. I'm just having a hot flash. And it's totally normal because my hormones are fluctuating because I'm 46. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um But I think, you know, as far as looking out there for resources, it's really confusing right now in the marketplace. Um, You know, there are people who have, you know, medical degrees who are basically selling you a diet book that's intermittent fasting and keto and low calorie. Mm -hmm. So it's really tricky. Um, But I think, you know, that's why I look to the weight neutral, trauma informed, eating disorder informed practitioners to work with. And there is a whole world of non-diet, anti-diet, health at every size, intuitive eating professionals from personal trainers to therapists to coaches that are here to help you. But you do have to be really 
particular and, and researched in understanding what, like who you're hiring and what they're promising you. Mm-hmm. It's tricky. I mean, there's a lot of money put against menopause and perimenopause right there now. And I mean, we have some big celebrities putting their names around brands with perimenopause and menopause, and not all of them are like totally well-intentioned. So it is tricky right now. Yeah, that's why I asked and, and then bringing it up because like I said, I got this slew of ads and I'm like, you know, I'm in the know about a lot of this stuff. And I look at things with a very critical eye and I can imagine if I had no clue or just didn't have as much of a critical eye just being in the field that I would be very confused and my head would be spinning kind of going like, I I don't know <laughs> where to start or if any of this is real or what's happening. So um, that's why I wanted to kind of clarify for people who are listening, like just some guidance in terms of like, what should they be looking out for? Like, what are like some things that can kind of clue them in about like working with somebody like you who is, you know, knowledgeable and not trying to help people like get on another diet, you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of hormone balancing diets, like the wellness craze, right? It's still dieting, but it's marketed as like balance your hormones through eating this right way or take this quiz to discover your hormone type. And then there's going to be a way that you have to eat. Yeah. It's, it's all diet culture. Um, and in that same conversation, a common mistake I see happening with women that can be really frustrating and upsetting is going to their doctor, their gynecologist or primary care saying like, I don't feel like myself anymore. Here are some of the symptoms Like, what can I do? Or where's the education? And they're getting dismissed very frequently. Mm. And I just want to say it's not your fault. It's the doctor's lack of education. They maybe got an hour in med school on perimenopause, like Mm. 20, 30 years ago, right? But women, like, really take it personally that they're dismissed. And it kind of adds to the narrative of like, oh, I am crazy. I am going out of my mind. Um, So menopause.org is a great resource of Mm. menopause certified medical practitioners. So those are medical practitioners who have gotten additional training on perimenopause. Mm. That can be a great resource, but also know that you are not going crazy. Like if you are over 40 and you're experiencing symptoms, you can assume that you're in perimenopause Mm -hmm. and Women are also frequently looking for like, I want a test. I want a blood test that's going to determine this. Or there are also uh, other hormone tests out there that are not research-based and women are spending thousands of dollars on them. I can actually say I'm one of them who spent thousands of dollars (laughs) because I was so desperate for a solution and was so dismissed by doctors that I then went the other end to a wellness practitioner looking for resources and spent thousands of dollars on a saliva urine hormone test. And it's the biggest regret I have that I spent that money because what I've now learned is that testing hormones through saliva and urine doesn't make sense because it's after you've metabolized those hormones. It's not the most effective way to test hormones. Hmm. So don't waste your money. 
That is interesting because, you know, so many people do do this saliva test and. Yes. Okay. okay. Here's the other piece about hormones. Like you can get your hormones tested by blood by a doctor. Mm-hmm. And there may be some like special medical conditions that warrant that. Mm-hmm. But a woman's hormones change every day. Even when you're in your reproductive years, your hormone levels change day to day. So a blood test is just a moment in time mm-hmm. of your hormones. And then 24 hours later, a week later, it's going to be different. And so even there's some new research, even with perimenopausal women, one uh, hormone you can test is FSH, follicle stimulating hormone. But they, in this research, took a woman's blood every single day for, for a few months to just see her levels. It looks like the craziest roller coaster ride you've ever seen. Every single day is different. Up, down, up, down, up, down. Of all those days they tested, one day would have indicated that she was in perimenopause. So you would have had to test her hormones on that one day to actually get the lab result that would confirm what she already knew based on her age and her symptoms. Oh my. Okay. So this is why leaning into symptoms and age makes so much more sense than looking for a test. Uh, but women, like I so get that women want an answer, right? They're like, I don't feel like myself. I don't feel normal in my body. Please doctor, like help me, give me a test, mm-hmm. give me a diagnosis. And our broken system is not giving them the answers they're looking for, but also I think it's a time where we have to go back into our bodies Mm -hmm. and learn to trust ourselves and what we know about our bodies on an even deeper level. Okay. This is interesting. So yeah, I do hear that people like, I want to know, I want to know if this is happening. (sighs) So what are some symptoms if people are saying, okay, what, what, how would I even know? Like, what are some symptoms that would indicate this? Yeah. So if you're over 35, I say 35 because I, in retrospect, realized I had my first uh, symptom at 39, mm-hmm. but we can say 40, 35 okay. to 40 and symptoms, um, changes in cycles. Your 28 day cycle all of a sudden is changing either shorter or longer by a few days, up to seven days would be early perimenopause. If it's changing 60 days or more, that would be considered later perimenopause. So changes in cycle, um, also changes in bleeding, heavier, lighter, longer, Mm. just changes. Um, And I think the thing that surprises women the most in early perimenopause is that it's very common that cycles get shorter in length, So your 28-day cycle becomes 21 or 23 days Mm -hmm. and also heavier. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of counterintuitive because you would think like, oh, I'm going closer to menopause. They should get less frequent. But all of a sudden in early perimenopause, they get more intense, more frequent, which can be really uncomfortable. Um, Night sweats, hot flashes. And, you know, hot flashes get this stereotypical like sudden flash, intense you know, sweating, which can absolutely happen, but it can also look like just running hot Mm. all the time when you used to not run hot like that, right? Just that change in temperature control, Um, migraine headaches that are new or increased, 
mood changes. So increased anxiety, increased depression. And this is where it's tricky, right? Because if you've had mental health challenges in the past that are now increasing, is it perimenopause? Is it a mental health issue? Like you can't really untangle them. Mm -hmm. Right. Or if you're just going through some stressors in life that are new, right? Right. But there is like, it's remarkable the increase in anxiety and depression around this time. So just to normalize it and also to be aware of it. Um, Another one would be brain fog, memory loss. So losing words, Hmm. forgetting names. Um, Oh, I had a client last week say, you know, like she used to be able to do 10,000 things at once. Mm -hmm. She got a call from her boss and they were like, where's the presentation? She's like, oh, I'll send it to you in half an hour when I'm back at my desk. And they were like, no, I'm about to get on stage in five minutes. I need this presentation right now. Like, she's like, I would never make a mistake like that in my life. Like it was so out of character, right? Like, so those things can happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And then let's talk about body changes. Mm -hmm. Can be weight gain, but it also can be just a change in your body distribution, bigger breasts, bigger hips, butt, stomach. Like you may be the same number on the scale, but just like your body distribution has changed. Mm. And that is normal. It's actually your body your body is so amazing. It, the reason is, is your body is hanging on to more fat because um, it wants more estrogen. So like estro- estrogen is retained in our fat cells. So as we're producing less estrogen, the body is so smart and it's like, oh, I'll just hang on to more fat to retain more estrogen, mm. which protects bones and your brain and all these amazing things. So what diet culture is demonized is actually like our body protecting us in so many ways. You know, the body is, is like, to your point, very amazing. And our society wants us to do things to actually go against that and harm it. And again, changing the narrative, why don't we get the the story out there that like, this is amazing what the body's doing, embracing it and being like, gosh, how wonderful instead of like, (gasps) oh no, I must control this and like actually do something that's harmful for it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Ugh. I know I'm it's just, super frustrating. I'm so discouraged. So it's just <laughs> No, don't be discouraged. I think there's a new narrative starting. I'm leading the charge. Okay. You know, <laughs> Let's get yeah. this out there. <laughs> yeah. For your listeners, I do have a list of these symptoms on my website so they can go to katewilliamsstone.com slash guide. And I have a whole list of all of these because I think they're really informative, like to normalize these changes and also be educated about your body, to have a checklist and be able to bring it into a doctor and say, oh, I'm experiencing these changes in my symptom, in my cycle mm-hmm. and these symptoms. I think I'm in perimenopause. Let's have a conversation about it. That's fantastic. Thank you. And, you know, I kind of said that like jokingly about the discouraging, but it's, it's more of my frustration really with like how much money and how much of a loud voice that toxic like diet culture has uh, compared to like your message um, and the message that really needs to be out there. 
Um, it's so much quieter, unfortunately. And so that's the yeah. discouraging part for me. It's like, why is that other voice so loud and that other message so loud? Um, so anyone listening, please <laughs> listen to Kate. Um, <laughs> no, I, I get the same frustration, Christina. So I totally, I, I get it. Yeah. I think the other piece in like hormone supporting habits is that hormone supporting habits don't cost you a million dollars. And that's why people aren't promoting them. So all the simple health habits that you already know to do, it's just putting them in place. So Mm -hmm. things like getting enough movement in your day, getting enough sleep, drinking Mm -hmm. enough water, um, looking at your plate and making sure there's protein, fat, and fiber on it, eating meals at regular intervals throughout the day, like every three to five hours. Like none of these things that I'm telling you make me a million dollars, right? (laughs) But some expensive supplement or some extensive plan, right? Like those are the diet culture money makers, but they want to overcomplicate all of this Mm -hmm. for a reason to sell you the thing. And instead, I think you can support your hormone health in really simple, effective ways and not overthink it. Mm -hmm. What I find is that women just need help undieting their brains, like undoing the Mm -hmm. harm of diet culture and then being like, wait, so like walking 30 minutes a day, like it's that simple. Mm -hmm. Drinking enough water, going to bed on time, like how can it be that simple? It can be that simple. Um, before you end, you know, there's a subset of people probably wondering too, like, you know, you said like some of the symptoms could be like the cycles changing and this and that. And I'm just thinking for like, okay, I'm in my late forties, you know, I PCOS, I never had normal cycles. Like how does somebody like me know? I've always wondered like, and I even had a hysterectomy, right? Like, so I'll share that with, you know, people listening, like, but I have my ovaries. How would I even know? Like when I'm hitting perimenopause or like how I even know like any of this is happening because there's going to be no signs. There's going to be no symptoms. Even if I hadn't had a hysterectomy, like with the PCOS, like how would I even know when on earth this is happening? Right. (laughs) Yeah. I was just talking to someone this morning actually with PCOS. Mm -hmm. And so the overlap in symptoms with PCOS and perimenopause. I mean, she was like, I've been dealing with these symptoms since I was 17. So (laughs) it's not (laughs) like, it's not that big a change for me. Mm -hmm. Um, A similar thing happens for women who have IUDs, right, and aren't getting a cycle. And so then looking at your age, you know, the average age for menopause, so one year with no period is 51. Mm -hmm. So you know, over 50, but, you know, there's a range uh, for all women. That's just the average age. And then if you're not getting a regular cycle, tapping into some of the symptoms that are not related to cycles, right? So some of the the memory, you could get hot flashes still or running hot um, body changes, right? Like you still have hormones. So mm-hmm being more in touch with those changes when you don't have the indication of a a regular cycle. Yeah. But it's pretty common, especially for women on IUDs or other hormonal 
situations, right? That's why I talk openly about my fibroids because people have endometriosis, adenomyosis, Mm. PCOS. Like there's a lot of hormonal conditions that women have been challenged with their whole lives. Mm -hmm. And then it can add to the storm right? in their forties. It can make it more extreme. It's hard to know which is just perimenopause and which is like a combination of the two. Thanks. And then the question I often get is what's the difference between perimenopause and menopause? Are they the same thing? Like why the two different words in terms? Yeah. So menopause is the day that you have not had a period for a full year. That's your day of menopause. And technically after that, you're post-menopausal. Technically, menopause is just one day, that anniversary. The seven to 10 year process leading up to that menopause is perimenopause. And this is what we're talking about. Like all of these symptoms, changing bodies, changing cycles, that is perimenopause. But it's very common in society for women to say like, I'm going through menopause. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of misleading. What they really mean is like, I'm going through perimenopause and more now the word perimenopause is becoming more frequently used and more popular. And I think it's a good distinction, but so perimenopause, people use perimenopause and menopause interchangeably, but they're technically two different phases. Okay. No, thank you. Because I think there's some confusion like this Perry is like before anything happens, like I'm getting to menopause. But, you know, there is some confusion, I think, out there because perimenopause is more of, I guess, a newer term. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And then even in perimenopause, you can be in like early perimenopause or Mm -hmm. late perimenopause. And that's distinguished by like early perimenopause is like a change in cycle of seven days shorter or longer. And then late perimenopause is like 60 days or more changes in your cycle. It's an evolution. (laughs) It keeps changing. (laughs) Okay. Well, you've given like so much great information. um, And I know you've shared some resources and things um, that are great. So if people do want to reach out to you um, and they want to find out more about you and the resources you mentioned, how can they do that? Yeah, so you can find me on social media on Instagram at Kate W. Stone. And then my website is katewilliamsstone.com. And that free guide I mentioned is katewilliamsstone.com slash guide. And in there, I have my non-diet guide to perimenopause that will give you the list of symptoms to look out for, the definition of menopause, and some hormone supporting habits. That won't cost you a million dollars. That's great. Everyone loves that. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) All right, Kate. Well, this has been a great pleasure and very informative. So thank you again. I really appreciate you being here. My pleasure. Thanks. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.